Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be with you. Good morning, Hill City Church. Welcome to guests and friends that are joining us online. That's one of the uh, one of the wonderful things about uh, online church is that uh, we get to dial in, watch later, watch live, and pick it up from the comfort of our homes and uh, receive the Word of God and receive some some encouragement from the Lord in heaven in this time. And uh, I count it a privilege to be with you today and to come into your homes. And I hope you're doing well. How are you? Um, how are you? You'll notice that my my facial colors changed a certain amount because of the sunshine that we're enjoying. And I uh, really appreciated that. And as well as daylight savings time in the longer days, it's really been nice. I hope you are too and getting out for some walks uh, and uh, staying healthy and doing some things to encourage not only uh, your spirit, but your soul and your body too. It's all part of it. It's all part of it. You know, uh, we're in a series that's called Where From Here? And it's a good question because a lot of people are asking, you know, well, you know, uh, what's expected of me and what should I do and what's happening here? And there's so many moving parts and pieces now uh, and anticipation as well of uh, a virus being gone and lockdown and restrictions being gone. And yet we don't really have any absolute clarity on all of that. And so we want to encourage you in some of these foundational things that we've been talking about. And I just really appreciated Brian's message last week, you know, morality and truth in our lives. And um, there's a lot being said these days about that topic. I may allude to that in, for a moment, but I'm going to I'm going to deal in one message here and maybe I'll do a few. We'll see uh, of one of the biggest and the main topic, really, of the Gospels uh, and the Bible itself that is about the very nature of God and because God is love, we're going to talk about love. I'm going to talk about where from here? Into the love of God. We've got a place for you to go. There's a place for you to hide. There's a place for you uh, to have safety and security and encouragement. That is in the love of God. And love of God is available to everybody through his son, Jesus, who who died on the cross so we could be redeemed into a loving relationship with God. So it was love that was extended to us so that we could have a relationship with him. It's a big topic, but I really want you to be encouraged today because God's love is really literally that in the middle of a lot of unknowns uh, and concerns, really. It's it's a safe place. Um, and so, you know, people are wondering, you know, where to go because there's fears and there's anxieties and worries and things that are going on in their hearts today about, you know, when does all this end? What's going on? But uh, God's love is a place where you can escape from your worries and your fears, period, because they don't exist there. <laughs> you know, hard to believe, right? It's a place, God's love is a place of escape from troubling times. It's an escape from, from the place of conflict and and from disagreement and disunity and disappointment and all kinds of things. And, and even a lot of real wild ideas around morality, the, the new morality that is being propagated out there in society where they're telling you what to do and, uh, and describing morality as that so that you, you keeping me safe from my perspective is my morality I'm imposing on you. Interesting idea. When all of God's love actually helps us to walk in the morality or in righteousness, which then comes from God, which then comes from truth, which has balance and it puts the other person first anyways. So interesting, isn't it? I'm going to read from a, a scripture here, uh, the book of Psalms. I'm going to read from Psalm 91 and I want you just to, 
begin to receive from God to hide in the shelter of who he is. And that's what it talks about here. And uh, this is about hiding in the love of God because this is who he is. So David penned this and he said this. He said, whoever. So if you're the whoever today, that means whoever, that's anybody. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We're not talking little shadow here. <laughs> We're talking the shadow of God, the Almighty God, the great hiding place. So he said, dwell in the shelter of the Most High, will rest in this shadow of who he is. He, David says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he'll save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence. He's going to save you from traps and evil designs against you, people, Satan, evil, all kinds of things, diseases. Verse 4 says he will cover you with his feathers <laughs> and under his wings you will find refuge. I know that sounds kind of funny to us, you know, but it's a bit of a picture of, of like a mother hen gathers its chicks around its feet and puts its and actually hides them. They, you can't see them like because you're not getting my chicks. You can get my babies and, and a mother hen really protects them and watches out for them. And she's going to peck anybody that tries to, you know, come after one of hers. And so it says under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. OK, it's going to be your protection. OK, uh, you'll not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, you know, that was an old warfare too. You know, they would shoot just thousands of arrows into the air at the enemy and you wouldn't know where they'd be coming from. And it would just kill thousands, uh, just arrows falling from the sky. And so you won't have to fear the terror of these things, of that kind of unknown, invisible attack. There's things that we don't know, you don't know that are going on. Listen, you will not fear the terror. God says, I'm going to, this is who I am to you. He says, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday, or even a virus with under a 1% mortality rate, for that matter. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You'll only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, or your house, or your car. He says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I, I love that because it's like, oh, not even against a stone. Like God even cares about your toes hurting and getting stubbed. Okay, like he cares about the big things. He cares about the little things in your life. You will tread on the lion, the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord. Now he's, he's saying, because you love him, because those who hide in his love, because of those who, who love God, because he, the Lord says, I will rescue them. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He that loves me will call on me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a beautiful picture of how God orchestrates and expresses his love to those who love 
him. It, it describes how God's love is a dwelling place. It's a place of shelter for you and I, a place out of the rain, a place out of the snow, out of the hail, out of the cold, out of the difficulties. It's a place where you go to receive from God. It's a, it's literally as described here, a resting place, a safe place. The love of God, when we get into the love of God and we go straight into that, you know, where from here into him as a fortress, a fortress that is a faithful place as you read through the scripture and a fearless place. The, the, the love of God is a fearless place that you can hide in and it's a place of rescue. He talked about that. It's a place of rescue and it's also a satisfying place. It's, in other words, it's it, besides the peace and the joy and all that, there's, there is a, a sense of goodness that brings about a sense of contentment that is in God. It's a beautiful thing. So how do you go into the love of God is the big question here today. How do you go into that? Well, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, I have a grandson who's not quite two years old, little cutie. And um, I, I'm watching him respond to his father. Now, he doesn't even have two years with his father, but he knows his father. He doesn't even know what love means or what it is, except probably a feeling or the fact that from his father's hand and his mother's hand, he gets his bubba, <laughs> you know, he gets treats, he gets food, he, he gets protection, though he couldn't even identify what protection is. But within him, he knows that this is his dad, and he said dada already. He says it. Yeah, he does say Papa too. And he says Mimi to Bonnie, you know. But, you know, the Bible teaches us to have a love, have an understanding like a child. It says, unless you become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. And part of the kingdom, the significant aspect of the kingdom of God is the love of God and the love of the Father where, where we run into him. And I watch our grandson take refuge when all of a sudden something frightens him and he runs into so for us, I use that as an illustration, is that is that let it bear witness to you, whether you've ever gone to church or not, okay, that God is a safe place to run to and to hide in. Some of us didn't have, you know, say a loving parent, father, mother, or or even as we grew, that we could run to. And so, but God is this faithful person uh, of God who we can run to. And he is the one that we go to. He's, he's a shepherd. The Bible teaches David again, talks about how he's like, like a shepherd and a shepherd takes care of sheep and he, he feeds and guards and guides and cares for and protects a herd of sheep and watches over them and protects them because those are his. And so David referred to it like this. He said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll lack nothing. Okay, in the love of God, you'll lack nothing because God is a good shepherd over his sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. His love refreshes my soul. You see, his love is an abundant resting place. His love is an oasis of peace. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. So his love is a path. You say, where to go? His love is a path to follow for his name's sake. He is true to his word and his promise in doing this. And he says, David draws this, this this analogy in Psalm 23. And even though I walk through my the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil 
or you are with me, you rod and your staff, they comfort me. The love of God, when we have the love of God, we're experiencing the love of God and we hide in him, we get to experience, like that little child, literally a safety and a protection like the rod and staff in the hand of the shepherd that comforts, protects, guides, and guards us in our lives. It's very, very real. It's very, very comforting as well. I can say, he's the place I run to. He's the place I go. He's the one that that fills my heart and satisfies my every need. Uh, it doesn't come from people. It can't come from people alone. It has to come and originate from God as we are created in his image and he's created us as his children. You see, the thing is here, what is our part to play? What is our part to play? If he's all these things, what is it? And he alluded to that. David alludes to this, that, that we love him. Well, that's a very significant part. So where from here into God's love? It says in John 15, 13 to 14, it says this, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is saying this, and he says in verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command. If you do what I command. And so he's the one who, under God's direction, as God's son laid down his life as a sacrifice for sin so that we could be brought into reconciliation and relationship with our Father in heaven through his love. It was a gift of his love to us. We receive his love. So then us loving him, he's saying is, well, you are my friends and you are in this if you do what I command. So the New Testament has some commandments you say, ah, oh, well, that's old. The Old Testament has 10 commandments. You know, I saw Charles Heston and I saw that movie, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, there's 10 commandments in the Bible. Uh, but the New Testament says all of those 10 commandments can be summed up in only two, actually, today. So you don't even have to remember all 10. You can, if you get the two, it can be fulfilled. And so, uh, commandments are commandments. They're not, they're not just suggestions or just, you know, well, maybe do this. No, they're commands. They're like, it's like, what's your expectation when you tell your kids to go to bed and do their homework? Do their homework and go to bed. What's your expectation? Listen to you and do what you said because they're your kids and they're supposed to or just like, kind of just go, eh, I don't feel like it right now. No, you've just commanded them. You've told them your expectation and you follow through on that and you make sure it's done. I trust that you do anyways. It says in Matthew 22, 35 to 40, it talks about these two New Testament commandments that fulfill the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. It says this, it says, one of them, Jesus was being tested by some, some experts of the law because they were grilling him. So he answers it. He says, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment out of those ten? What is the greatest commandment in the law? And there's more than 10. There was all a whole lot of other things too. And Jesus replied this, and it's right here, these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So that's number one, first and greatest. So it kind of put it as numero uno, like even first and greatest. And it says the second is like it. And it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then verse 40, Jesus says, and all the law and the prophets hang, hang on these two commandments. They hang on them. 
So I like I go where from here? Well, well, if all the if all the law is fulfilled in this word called love, the love of God, and it's defined this way, and it's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, then then that is where it is fulfilled. That's where the, where we run into the love of God. There's some responsibility for us. It's running into God's love would be running into him and his hiding place. But then because it's the love of God, it's going to change us in that hiding place about how then we conduct our lives in our everyday living and how we live. So my first point is this, after that long introduction, which obviously prepared your heart to be open, because God is speaking to us today on these things. This is really actually a very, very appropriate topic for you to really be thinking and pressing into. And that is this, is that the love God with all your heart. Love God with all your heart. All your heart. All there means holy and it means completely in the original language. It means holy and completely and absolutely the, the whole bit of it, not like portion, not a fraction, not a little bit, not a, not a, not a major percentage, but a whole percentage. Like he, he's looking for your whole heart. And that, that not, this is a hard statement for you. Listen to what I'm going to say. And nothing loved besides him. You say, nothing love him and don't love anything else. No, that's, that's not what I mean. I mean, putting him first and loving him first. So that would be me loving God more than Bonnie. This would be me loving God, my father, more than you. You see, it actually levels the playing field because out of that flows the love of God. That when we put him first and we love him most, really, we're not going to be very disappointed in the situations that we endure with people. Because... God, God in, in, in his love for us, he'll never let us down. He'll, he'll never be without love for us. It, it'll never be, we'll never be shortchanged in his love. And so for us, love is the leading affection. Okay. Love is the leading affection. Okay. Obedience beca- be, begins in affections. Okay. What we lay our affections on, we lay our affection on God and that we Obey him. We lay our affection. I lay my affection solely on my wife. I'll, I'll be obeying my wife. You follow my, the train of thought here. So loving him is the first and greatest thing that God demands from us. And therefore, the first and great thing that we should devote to him. And so in you'll read in the Ten Commandments, the first one is put no other God before me. Put no other God before me. Nothing. No other God. So don't make anything else a God. Worship me and me alone. Don't worship anything and don't worship people. Worship me. Put no other God before me. You see, our love of God must be sincere love and not in word and tongue only. Okay. He challenges us. And I I read it a few weeks ago. They say they love me, but their hearts are far from me. Okay. We can have do lip service to it, but we have a responsibility to walk in it to walk in it in sincerity. And if there's anybody that knows you and can see right through you and know you, it's God that knows you. He's not fooled. He he knows the devotion of your heart. He knows your sincerity. And literally what this means would be an undivided in our devotion, undivided in our devotion. And so, yeah, Brian's, Brian's talking about, you know, morality. He's talking about living a righteous life and and, and God is, is saying, Hey, be holy as I'm holy. And so here, I'll let me show you the way, but I'll show you what sin is. Okay. 
and I will show you what holiness is. And I'm showing you, here's how you walk in holiness. Okay. And if you're not, then your devotion is not to me. Your devotion is to your own flesh or your desires of your own humanity. And, and so then we run away and we form a, form a gospel that fits our ideology instead of the true word of God. Okay. So undivided in devotion. This means loving him more than anything else. It means loving him more than kid, more than your kids. It means loving him more than your spouse and more than your home and your hobby and your, and your car and, 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 or the accolades people give you, whatever it, the list goes on and on. Love him more. Love him more. Be devoted to him. Okay. Love the Lord your God. It says with wholly and completely your whole heart. Okay. The, 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 the heart intentions, the motivations, those, the, every aspect of it. Okay, uh, your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. Love the Lord God with all your soul, with your mind. Okay, your will lined up with God's will. Okay, don't love your will more than his will. You see the difference there? Okay, and your emotions, which want to pull you here and there all over the place when things happen or or, or tragedy or trauma or all these things that are, are very serious. The love of God then is that place that we go. Okay. And so love him with, we can love him with our whole heart, with our whole soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And we can love him with our whole mind and, and how he dwells within us and to minister to us and speak to us and speak his love and his promises to us and how his word speaks to us to help us understand his thoughts and receive them as our own, as they are to us. His word is a love letter to us. And in fact, so we must, you know, the, the Bible is teaching us is that we must praise him. So how do you, you can't, you're not going to praise someone that you don't love. So we must love him. If we're going to praise him, we must love him. And to love him, we must praise him. See, it all flows together. David says this, and he says in Psalm 103, verse 1, he says, Bless the Lord, my soul. And he says, all that is within me. All, again, holy, all that is within me. Bless his holy name, all. So that's the first part. Love the Lord our God. The second part of, of, of going into God's love would be love your neighbor as you love yourself. Interesting, isn't it? It says there's the first one is the greatest. He says, but the other one is like it. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Number two commandment, New Testament, fulfilling all the law. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay. And this second one is just like it. It's just like loving. When you love your neighbor, it's like loving your God. Okay. He's wanting you to be devoted to your neighbor in love. Beautiful, isn't it? To love God is to love our brother. It says in 1 John 4 verse 20, it says, if someone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. He's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Brings it right into our face, the reality of it. Your faith in God, the love you receive from God, the validity of your salvation, your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sin, and and and, and your trust in, in the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, that you, you know, but you visually can't see. You can see his miracles. You can see the things that he accomplished. You can see his creation, but you believe in him. And he says, but what about your neighbor? 
You see him drive up. You see him mowing his lawn. You see him walking his dog. You see that person, that, that, that lady that is at the checkout, your neighbor, your neighbor, or that person that's in need, that's your neighbor. And you can, you know what the Bible teaches about. I mean, who's your neighbor? <laughs> and, uh, and so we need to, this is what he's teaching us here to love God is to love our brother. Okay. We are to love ourselves. It says, love your neighbors, you love yourself. We're to love ourselves. We're to love ourselves. Now, there's a problem with, with self-love because self-love is, is a motive of corruption and, and potentially a root of sin we need to die to because self-love can be way over the top and so unbalanced and wrong. We're talking here about a self-love which is natural, which God ordained, which is right. We must love ourselves. That is, we must have a due regard to the dignity of our own nature as a due concern for the welfare of our own souls and bodies. We show that by actually looking after ourselves, looking after our bodies, uh, uh, Taking a shower and, and, and staying clean and, and, and eating well and getting some exercise and I'm stepping on toes and I get it. But this is all part of it. We don't, we, you know, I get it. So in other words, don't neglect yourself because he's saying, he's saying, love your neighbors, you love yourself. So if you neglect yourself, you probably are going to have a hard time figuring out how to, and, and even having a love for your neighbor because they're not going to be important if you're not important. Or don't put yourself down. Don't be so self-deprecating and, and, and not giving you, you know, just putting yourself down. That, that doesn't glorify God. Okay. We can change our, I, I say this because we need to change our mind and our perspective on this and get, because if he says it, love your neighbors, love yourself. He says, well, you can love yourself love yourself. I love you. You're worth loving. Okay. Don't be unbalanced about it, but love your neighbor like you love yourself. And the next one is that we must honor and esteem all men and must wrong and injure no one is what this would mean. Uh, Injure none. Have a goodwill to everybody, a sense of goodwill and good wishes for all. Not a, not a man, I'll tell you, we're inundated with the opportunity to be ticked off and to have a bad attitude about well, okay, I better not get into names. I better not get into positions and roles and people that are making decisions today and the guy that in, that cuts you off in traffic or, you know, the, the neighbor who's smoking pot on their porch and you're smelling it outside, you know, at your house, go, the skunk is coming into your house. So it's like, it's like, okay. And it, if opportunity exists, we must do good to all as opportunity exists and the opportunities come most days. So we must love our neighbors. We love ourselves as truly and sincerely as we love ourselves. In many cases, we have to deny ourselves actually to love our neighbor because we have to put, as the Bible's teaching us, don't only consider your own needs, but put the needs of others ahead of your own. I was thinking about a situation uh, in the old neighborhood we used to live in, and there was domestic dispute that was happening next door, and my family was all upset. Well, guess what? All prior to that domestic dispute, we were loving those neighbors. And so in love, I came over and said, this has to stop. Somebody's going to be hurt. Well, I heard some bad words aimed at me. And even my Jesus was mentioned to me in that moment of anger. And I said, but this somebody's going to get hurt. And if you don't stop, uh, I'm going to have to phone the police. You know, I care about you guys too much. I can't let this happen. And so an opportunity presented itself to be involved. And I'm going to have to de- de- deny myself. I'm going to have to... Put love first. And it's the same on the sacrificial side where we lay things down and we don't have time, but we make time to go and love our neighbors. 
Well, what about the idea of loving our neighbor as we love ourselves? What about rituals and ceremony and services and church services and our spiritual gifts? Well, they have to all give way for love. Paul, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 13, I could speak in tongues of man and angels, but I don't have love. I am a noisy clang, a cymbal, a gong. Okay. Uh, it's useless. Okay. So that's the spirit of the law. Okay. Which is like a cement that joins all these things together. It's actually the whole Bible. It's everything that's in the Bible. Okay. And how others, and we love our neighbors. We love ourselves. Okay. It's the gospel too. We love our neighbor for their sake. For their sake, um, we get to show forth the glory of God through the love of God that is ours. And by serving and going the extra mile and being present and being caring and being involved in people's lives. But you know what? There's a lot of work for us to do because even in this COVID time, our reputation has been tarnished because our reputation that is floating around the communities are that, that we're a bunch of complaining babies. Okay carrying on about what we can't have right now by being in our churches. And they're hearing us complain, okay, and grumble among ourselves and at one another about the different positions. We need to reverse that. We need to reverse that. I think we can through the love of God. But we're going to need to hide in the love of God and get his vision of what his love is for others and for one another. Well, the last thing, and, and I, I want to kind of pull this all together is that everything hangs, it says on these two commandments. Everything hangs on them. Well, you don't have a lot to remember here. Just two. <laughs> That's great because, I mean, I sometimes when I have to quote the 10, I kind of miss out on them. But basically, it all hangs here. So fulfilling the law and fulfilling this New Testament law, these two, is love. It all hangs on love. It says in, in Romans 13, verse 8 to 10, it says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. There it is. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. Don't you like that I went into a low voice there? You shall not covet. I don't sound like God. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbors yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay. And so this fulfills what God uh, has commanded you by you obeying that. We can obey that commandment, that, that non-suggestion, that commandment. We can obey that. The next thing that it does is that it brings encouragement in unity. That's, that's the goal. One of the goals of God's love. I read it in Colossians 2 verse 2. It says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So to those that don't know him and to those that do know him, they could be encouraged in heart, united in love. Why? So that the riches of complete understanding. So in other words, maybe we are actually suffering in the neglect of complete riches and understanding because we're not loving. We're not loving. We're not loving the way God loves us and we're, then, and, and we're not loving him the way he's called us to love him and worship him because we're not loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, which is his commandment. Okay? God wants to touch people's lives and he wants to bring encouragement and he wants there to be unity through these things. Let's bring that into all of our relationships. Let's bring that into tomorrow. Let's run straight. Okay. Where from now? Where from here? Straight into the love of God. 
And the Bible teaches us this love that I'm talking about. It says it will never fail. It'll never fail. Man, I'll tell you, I've tried a lot of things. Some things have failed. You know what I'm talking about. There's things that you've tried, you've put your hand to, you've, you've, you know, you've done the tutorial on it. It didn't work. Didn't work. You got, you got some advice. It wasn't maybe the best advice. It didn't work. But it says love will never fail. Love will, love never ends. In fact, first Corinthians 13 verse eight literally says it right here. Love never fails. What that tells me is it always works. That is always right. It's always complete. It always works. Okay. And because we're human, you know, and we're not perfect, our expression of love will be imperfect. But what we express in God, we can get the perfect love of God being expressed out of us. Totally. Totally. We can. Totally we can. It can change all the circumstances around us when we apply it. But it says there, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they're going to, they're going to cease. Oh, we love prophecies. Where there's tongues, they'll be still. Hey, you know, we love building ourselves in the Holy Faith, Spirit, speaking in tongues. It says, but where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. Okay. It says, but love, not going to pass away. Okay. It never fails and it never ends and it never goes away. So you need to be reassured of this. Okay. Nothing, nothing. When you, when you hide in God and when you run into the love of God, okay, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate. It's like, it's like, it's like, well, you know, I've tried this running into the love of God thing. And, you know, I kind of went in my room, closed the door and, you know, I spent some time and, or I started to dwell and I started reading my Bible and all this. But, you know, then this happened. And I lost hope or I felt discouraged. And it's like, okay, yeah. So get back in. Go, go back into the shelter. Go back into the hiding place. Get back in. Press in, as they say. Run into that place. Romans 8, verse 37 to 39 says, Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Well, hey, how about that for a signature? You're more than conquerors. No matter what comes against you, you, you win through him who loves you. It says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing is nothing. Nothing. None of those things that come against us. They'll come against us. They'll challenge us. There's going to be testing. There's trials. There's difficulty. There's trouble. But run out of that into this particular place, the love of God. Him first. Remember, first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your whole mind, soul, and strength. Run into the shelter, into the shadow, into the, the shadow of the dwelling of who he is, the mighty God, and experience his love, which is going to cover over all that his love covers a multitude of sin. <laughs> Yours, mine. And when we get there, he'll show it to us. Sometimes that's why we don't run there, because our sin is exposed to him, and we don't want him to see it, but you want him to see it. He already sees it, by the way. So you run to him and you repent and you say, God, forgive me as he shows you those things. And you go back out into those relationships and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Nothing's going to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I wonder if we can, we can make a decision here in understanding this, that we would actually deliver our hearts into the mold of God's love. And I'm talking not moldy, hairy molds bad, gone bad. I'm talking about the shape. I'm talking about it shapes our heart. The love of God's shape of our heart. You know, there it is right now. <laughs> I didn't do that very good, did I? 
I didn't do that good. I'm trying. I'm trying, folks. But anyways, you know what I'm talking about. So some of the things we're going to need to do is spend our spiritual zeal on love. Not the notions of it, but the energy, the actions of it. These action steps today, two commandments. Here I'm saying, well, but spend your zeal, your spiritual zeal on love. Spend your words on love, not quarrels and strife, you see. Spend your love on your father, God. Spend your love on your neighbor. Do that. You see, both are going to require sacrifice, which is the language of love. It's the one that God showed us by example of his son dying for us. And he says there's a debt for you and I that remains outstanding, and that's the continual debt is something that we owe based on what he freely he purchased through the cost of his son's sacrifice for us is this debt to love. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Into God's love. It's the greatest action plan in all existence, actually. Greatest action plan in all existence. Of all the things that are going to happen in, in 1 Corinthians, it sums it up. It talks about love. It says these, these three things remains. Faith, 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 yes. Hope, yeah, yeah, yeah. And love, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the greatest of these is love. You got hope, you got faith. But the greatest of these, those are good. Those are fantastic, very important, critical. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest action plan in all existence, God is committing to our heart. That is where we go from here. God's love is speaking to you and I today through this message. He's, he's making some noise in the background. And I trust that your ears are hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, that you're tuning into it to go hide in the shelter of a loving father in heaven. Just like my little grandson, he runs into the, his father's arms and he becomes well, because he is a little child, we need to become like little children to enter into the kingdom of him. God's love, God's love is a mountain. It's it, it's huge and it's massive. There's no shortage of it for you in anything and everything that you're facing today, no matter how difficult it is and no matter how painful it is. Do you know, when I came to Jesus, that is what filled the room was God's love. I experienced him as I responded to him. But he was the one that was loving me before I was responding to him. And when I began to respond to him and say, Lord, if you're really there, and his presence filled my room, and I said, yes, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And then his presence came into me to live in me forever and ever. But his presence, his love was a powerful presence that changed me in a twinkling of an eye. It was his love that was saying, son, come to me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I, I forgive you. I have forgiveness for you. My love provides forgiveness for you. And that's what he's inviting you to today. He's inviting that to you today. You know, we can say we know God, okay? But the Bible says whoever does not whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is right at the crux of the matter. He's inviting you to know him and to know his love. When you know his love, you run into his love. In that is forgiveness and grace. 
we invite you this morning. There's people here that are online in this platform that you'll see, hey, I'd like to commit my life to Christ. Would you do that and go and talk to one of these people? Let me tell you, your life will never be the same and the love of God will be your shelter. Let's leave this place today, okay? Let's run into the love of God. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. Amen.